Hey everybody, thanks a million for tuning in to episode 6 of the Dan Kyo Wellness Project podcast. This is Dan here, I am a psychotherapist in training in Ireland. I work with Focus Ireland, a charity who provides support to homeless families and individuals all across the country. I am also passionate about wellness, as you know, and if you've made it to episode 6 of the podcast, I really hope that you've enjoyed everything that's happened so far. I am so excited about today's guest. Her name is Kate Wasserman. And as with all of the other guests, I hope that you take something away from the conversations that we've had that will help you improve your own wellness. So I asked Kate to send me a bio that she would like to be included in this um, intro. So I'm just going to read it out for you because it actually blew my face off. So it starts with, do your thing. I believe in hustling with heart and I want to show you how to empower your business and life with your true gifts. Do you want to achieve great abundance, power and see your dreams become reality? Do you want to use your inherent gifts to serve yourself, your children and your community? This is what hustling with heart means to me. Here's something you should know. I was never cool. I got pantsed in the fifth grade in front of all the popular kids. I was crushed. I wanted to wear the fresh shoes. You know those white keds with the little blue tag on the back? I wanted the guest jeans with that upside down triangle. Instead it was boxer shorts white v-necks and my mom's hand-me-down Birkenstocks. Some things never change. As I grew up I realised I wasn't cut out for the American dream. There was no white picket fence, perfect marriage, ideal job or Brady Bunch family. I was pregnant and alone with a floundering business. I had no idea how I was going to survive. My personal and business accounts were in the red and I was on government assistance. I tried to keep it together by asking for favours and borrowing from everyone I knew. It was embarrassing. One day I jumped. I started taking risks. I was still afraid, but I decided to feel the fear. I would not allow it to paralyze me. My biggest achievement is setting a strong example for my daughter. My biggest passion is teaching others to connect and listen to themselves. Success is not an accident. Success is a habit of doing your thing. Challenge society. Don't play the game. Create the game. So you guys, when Kate sent me through this bio, uh, would be an understatement to say how excited I was to have her on. So without further ado, I just want you to sit back, relax, take in all of the laughter that we experienced and hopefully take something away that will help you move along your path to the happiest life you can live. Take a listen. Hi, Kate. How are you? Thanks for coming on today. Hi, Dan. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. Um, I am so excited to have you on the podcast this week. And unbeknownst to me you actually this be your second podcast in one day and these are your first two podcasts is that correct it is so so that brings me to my first question actually because I was talking through my course as a psychotherapist I have to get weekly therapy Mm -hmm. and I I had my last session today before the summer break and we were kind of reflecting on my own process since I started last September and how I've become more aware of myself and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of sitting there going, you know, there's been a lot of good stuff happening to me lately and I can't really figure out what it is. So we got into it, we were discussing it and um, basically he kind of said, well, you're putting a lot of good energy out into the world and it seems to me like you are more open to opportunities coming your way because your mindset has changed so much and your awareness of yourself has grown. You're not engaging in thing, in, in a way of thinking that you did when it was counterproductive for you. So that's kind of my question for you. Do you think that doing these two podcasts in the one day is kind of a result of you opening up your mind to different things? Uh, 100%. Okay. Um, and these aren't the only two things that have aligned. Um But it is me finally realizing that I am enough just as me and that I don't have to do more or achieve more or take another class or get another degree or I don't have to prove myself that I'm okay as myself and that actually me being myself, which I'm being now, honestly, openly, um, outside of just my friendships, you know, my online, um, persona I'm actually just being me and it's not some it's not some uh 
something I've been told to do by some training I've done or something. I'm just like, I'm letting myself out. And now things are lining up. It's pretty wild. So you're like essentially taking control of your own destiny and your own fate. And these opportunities are just presenting themselves. They are presenting themselves. I wouldn't say I'm in control. I'd okay. say that's what I've done is I've let go of control. Ah. <laughs> is that that was my thing before was controlling everything. Total control freak, total OCD in my home and my business. And, you know, I'm, I'm in charge in my business. I'm the boss. Mm. I'm in charge at home. I'm a single parent. I'm in charge. I'm a driver. You know, like I drive the car. I'm a single woman. I'm a single mom. Like I'm the one in charge. And, and I'm not actually anymore and it's so peaceful and amazing the things that have opened up now in my life that I've let go of that see this is why I love the fact that I decided to do this podcast you know because <laughs> every time I think I have something figured out some someone beautiful like you comes along with their own mindset their own approach their own wellness and kind of says something that just kind of makes me sit I, li didn't I literally just sit back <laughs> in my chair here and I'm cool? like okay so it's not gaining more control it's perhaps the idea of letting go of trying to be in control because it's an illusion in the first place and something that just causes so much stress. We are really only in control. I mean, some life events have happened to me recently that have made me realize we're only in control. We're not in control of like what's going to happen. We're only in control of our own mindset around it and what we think about it and then how, how we choose to react to it. Right. Um, and so it's letting go of controlling all the other stuff that you aren't in control of the outcome. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm just writing letting go of any control onto my to-do list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the listeners... Like we're going to go back. I have a five-year-old daughter. We're going to go to that movie Frozen, oh, yeah. Let It Go, that song that I've heard two million times and I want to smash the TV every time I hear it. But... It's true. Just let it go. <laughs> God, goddamn Pixar. They know what they're talking about. Right? They do. Those children's movies have some really great messaging in them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, um, you know, it's important. I know all of the listeners, well, the vast majority of people who will listen to this podcast certainly will either have contact with children or have kids themselves. And they will also have heard that song like a billion times. And it's kind of got a lot of meaning to it, you know, but also yeah. for the listeners, I'm, I know I, I, I put a short bio in the introduction to this podcast about, you know, about yourself and your journey and your own life experience. But do you want to give the listeners a bit of context about what has brought you up to this point? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Everything before now. Um, I mean, there's been, I've had some huge, I guess I would say, I maybe used to categorize as struggles or challenges in my life or hardships that in retrospect now I see without every single one of those, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm. And um, some, and people always looked at them as like, you're crazy. Like, why would you do that? Uh let's say starting out from uh starting out from maybe in my early 20s i married a brazilian man and thought that uh i don't know i always wanted to help people and so i was helping him and then i tried to make this really weird marriage work and it didn't okay. so that was one of those things that people told me not to but i learned so much from that um, starting my business 10 years ago, I was a student in the school that I own now. It's a cosmetology school. I was a student in the school. Um, the school is about to close and I was going to be the last program. I was going to be the last in the one of the last classes. Okay. And before it closed, I spoke with the owner and she was just, she was over it. She was done. And I figured out a way at 26 years old to purchase the school and, Everyone in my family, uh, everyone said, you're stupid, don't do it, worst mistake you could make, go get a job. You need to just use your degree, go get a job, I don't know what you're thinking, and I didn't listen, and here I am 10 years later with a successful business that I'm getting ready to transition out of, Amazing. going to the next new thing. Um, next thing would be probably, I've, I, I guess I, <laughs> I don't listen very well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I, uh, you could ask my parents about that one. <laughs> I will. I will want to have them on as guests. Right. Uh, my dad would actually be really great. You should actually get my dad next. Hokomo, poke me up with his email and I will sort that okay. out. Okay. Um, where was I? Okay, so the next one was I, um, I've always felt called to help people. So I, um, one of my instructors at my school started a nonprofit in Jamaica called uh, Great Shape, and they do dental, eye care, and literacy projects. And I had never done really any volunteer work, and I started um, doing their fundraising here locally um, in Southern Oregon. And then I started traveling to Jamaica with them and um, directing their uh, directing the um, the dental projects. Oh, and um, and so then while I was in Jamaica, I fell in love with a Jamaican man and decided to have a child with him. And everyone told me that this was the biggest mistake of my life. And do you know anything about Jamaican men? Haven't you heard? Are you asking me? <laughs> no, no, no. This is what people said. Like, come on. Don't you know? And I hey, didn't listen. Hey, Kate, I, I, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Well... Um, let's see. Try not to offend my Jamaican fan base. <laughs> right? <laughs> they, um, well, very broad generalization. They fall in love with every woman and they break a lot of hearts. Okay. Um, so my heart was broken, but, and I am healed now and I see now, well, anyways, we had a kid together. Yeah. And she's the most amazing, beautiful gift and has taught me so many lessons that had I not, had I, had I listened to people, I wouldn't have the most amazing life that I have now. Right. So that's actually a parallel with what happened when you were buying the cosmetology school. Yes. Right. So it's nearly like, I feel like when people are really, like a lot of people are advising you against something that you really want to do, it's nearly like a good indicator. <laughs> sometimes because if you're so passionate about it you know the most about it and to take that risk it seems to be for you that that was an indicator that it was going to go okay yeah it was I find that that a lot of advisors throughout life whether they're teachers or family or people that we might look up to they um they kind of crush our our intuition mm. because of because of their their beliefs or their whatever they're following in their life, you know, whether it's what they've been taught or whatever, that they they trust what they know more than what I intuitively know in my heart is best right. for me. And if I had always listened to them, I don't know where I would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's different, isn't it, to solicited advice where you actually approach people who you know have been maybe through similar things or people who you know have your absolute best interests at heart right mm -hmm. that's kind of different to that are you totally talk, are you you're talking about people who will offer their unsolicited um right. advice right yeah i i, I love the saying i love the <laughs> saying um i think it was robin sharma or it could have been tony robbins and he says what other people think of you is none of your business right. yeah i love that one too i really really love that so I, I guess that's, I'm sorry for giving you the broadest question ever to start off, <laughs> but um, you have been going through something pretty phenomenal over the last couple of years, right? I have. Why don't you tell the <laughs> listeners what it is? <clears throat> well, um, two and a half years ago, I started having what I called at the time energy waves, I thought I was having uh, some sort of spiritual enlightenment. Um, I'm kind of a hippie. <laughs> no. Um, and I, so what would happen physically was I would feel a tingling sensation start in my feet. If I was sitting here having this conversation with you, I would probably hold my hand up and close my eyes and be quiet. The tingling would run up through my body as it would come to my head was kind of where it would culminate. It would come to my head. I feel as if I'm going to have that aha moment. I'm going to know something. I'm going to have the answer to every problem in the world. And then once it gets to my head, then it goes away and I basically black out. I don't fall on the ground. I don't like you wouldn't know. You would just say, why is she closing her eyes? Then I come back to our conversation or whatever I was doing, and I don't remember what I was talking about. I don't remember what I was doing. Um, 
there's kind of like a blank in my memory. Mm. And so when they first started happening, it was really, really infrequent, like one every couple months. And then over the next two and a half years, they started to become more frequent. And in last November, I started having about 20 to 25 a day. And along with the energy waves, as I called them, I also, I, my memory was probably the biggest indicator for me. My memory, I could not remember anything. I couldn't remember people remember people's names. I'd be in the middle of a conversation, forget what I was talking about, forget what I was doing. Um, and then emotionally, I, I could not, I could not cope. I, I, I was recounting in the earlier podcast today, I was on the floor with my daughter in November. I could not get up off the floor. I was crying. She was consoling me. She's five years old. Like, what can I do, mommy? And I didn't know. I had tried everything. I had, it wasn't as if I wasn't trying to help myself. I've always been a big promoter of self-care, you know, in all areas, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I was seeing a therapist. I was seeing a doctor. I was seeing everyone I could see. Mm. And in November, I was on the floor with my daughter and um, just completely at a loss of what to do. And I called my doctor that I had been seeing and she could not get me in. But I was able to see one of her associates and I got in with this woman. She practices integrative medicine and she looked at me like none of the other doctors had before. Everyone else thought I had like a hormonal problem. They were treating me for thyroid and adrenal issues. And, um, <clears throat> and she looked at me and she just like looked deeper into me and she just knew. And right in that appointment, she ordered me an MRI and EEG and extensive blood work. And um, from November to April of this year, uh, so many more doctor's appointments happened in April, four weeks ago from, from yesterday, I had brain surgery. Okay. Let's pause there <laughs> okay. because I think the listeners are going to be like, what <laughs> are you listeners? Are you actually like, what, like me now with my mouth open? So, <laughs> so I just want to repeat what Kate just said there four weeks ago yesterday, which will be three days and four weeks before you were listening to this podcast, she had brain surgery. How is it possible that you're sitting up talking to me and talking about your life experiences right now? How is that even possible? I'm wondering the same thing. It feels very surreal. Um, you, the medical advancements um, and capabilities now are are above and beyond. It is it is totally magical and wild. What what. Uh, what the doctors and physicians are capable of doing these days. And it's uh, very much a, a case of meeting the right doctor as well, right? Because obviously you had had so many appointments up to that point. One thing I, I need to ask you in relation to that is how did no other doctor think of an MRI or that it would be related to brain functioning when you were blacking out? Well, because the way I described what was going on, it was more in a energetic sense and it doesn't sound like what they what come to find out is I'm having I've been having psychic seizures or partial seizures is what they're called so my spiritual awakening has been seizures and um and I think it's just when you're just seeing a regular I was seeing a PA a physician's assistant or even just an MD they don't know the signs and seizures can look so many different ways okay. now come to find out and so I wasn't having I wasn't convulsing I wasn't falling down on the you know nothing it wasn't huge you wouldn't notice if it was happening right here so it was just so minute and then what happened is the seizures continued for so long that the other parts of my body um, started to be affected. So the emotions, the, um, the memory, I was not able to sleep. I had no energy. So that's why they thought it was like my adrenals and thyroid was because of some of the other symptoms. Um, but I think because they're very, they're, uh, um, not a huge, uh, convulsant type of seizure. So I think that it was just easily overlooked. Yeah. And when did you move from thinking that it was a spiritual experience to realizing that maybe there's something else going on here? Was it when it started happening more frequently? When it, when it started to be so debilitating in my life, right. when I could not take care of myself or my child, when I could not remember anything, um, when, I mean, and when I, and I just listened to my intuition that said, keep searching, keep trying. And 
then I got into that woman, that doctor, uh, who ordered me the MRI and the EEG, and then referred me to a neurologist after the MRI came back. The MRI came back that I have a cavernoma, which is an arterial bleed, and they're very, very common. They're very common. Okay. Uh, sometimes they can be, um, you can have them from birth. Some words are hard for me to remember right now, so some of my big words don't come to me. Uh, <laughs> what is that word called when you have it from birth? Um, I'm going to come, I'll get it in a minute. Anyway, so I had it since birth. Many people have the cavernoma, but it, uh, angioma, excuse me, angioma, but it doesn't bleed. Mine has bled, so it's a cavernoma. Oh, okay. Um, so it's an arterial bleed, so it's not like a venal bleed, it's not like having a stroke. So I don't like have a huge gush of blood and, you know, I die or whatnot. Um, it was a slow bleed over time. Mm. And the amount of bleed is just dependent on the person. So it could have been slowly bleeding this whole time or two and a half years ago, it could have had a bigger bleed. Um, Hereditary. Can be. Hereditary. Can be. Is that the word, though? Uh, no. Oh. But anyways, but good that you said that. So it could be, these could be hereditary or they could be sporadic. They're pretty sure that mine is sporadic, that it just happens randomly. Okay. Um, so uh, let's see here. So where are we? So then I got referred to the neurologist and this all happened from November to April. So about wow. six months. Five, six months. Six months. Yeah. So then, um, so December, November, I saw the neurologist. December, I saw an epilepsy, no, sorry, November, December, an epilepsy specialist. Am I saying this right? Anyways, I got referred from the neurologist to go see an epilepsy specialist. Yeah. And she, seeing what was going on in my head, um, she said, now you need to see a neurosurgeon. I don't know if this is surgical. Um, and then she referred me to a neurosurgeon. Wow. And then the neurosurgeon said, yes, you need brain surgery. This will continue to bleed for the rest of your life. It could continue to cause more problems in your life. Your seizures could change because of where it's at in your brain. At any moment, you could be blind. Um, it was right next to really, really close. He, he was surprised that I wasn't having vision problems already. Yeah. Um, and so I actually chose to have brain surgery. He didn't say, you have to have brain surgery right now or you're going to die. He said, you will continue to have problems throughout your life. You will have to be on medication. So back in January, I started a seizure med that um, totally affected me. I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep. Um, it kind of it gave me this extra boost of energy that I didn't need. <laughs> um, and then I couldn't sleep. I mean, I was sleeping maybe three or four hours a night. But I also wasn't having seizures. Yeah. My memory started to come back a little bit. Emotionally, I was more balanced. Um, so, yeah. So there was pluses and minuses of the medication. Yeah, I'm pretty resistant to medication. I would have rather continued with the seizures. But um, there was. There, there was, yes. I started, my memory started to come back. I started to be able to cope more with life. Um, and it, it helped them to see too that, yes, this is exactly what's causing your seizures. It's not something else. And then so. you, you took the decision to have the surgery then. Was it to, do you still have to take the medication now? So where I'm at right now is four weeks post-surgery. In two more weeks, I go for my six-week follow-up with the neurosurgeon. Um, at that time, I'm also going to see an epileptologist that will be titrating me off of my seizure medication. And my guess is it'll probably take about six weeks to come off the medication because that's about how long it took for me to go on to the medication because okay. they start you with a small amount and bring you up the yeah. same way they'll take me off. Um, and the goal is that I have no more seizures for the rest of my life, that the surgery has removed the bleed in my brain and that, and because they think it was sporadic, not genetic, then I should be able to continue my life in my normal fashion. That is just such an amazing story. I know, and can you tell? Can you tell I had brain surgery? No, I just want to tell the <laughs> listeners, this lady looks absolutely incredible. <laughs> she looks like the person who's had the least amount of brain surgery I've ever seen. Unbelievable. They were very kind. They were very kind with the, with the clippers. <laughs> oh my goodness, absolutely amazing. So I guess that brings us nicely on to 
Oh, as you know, this is the Downkill Wellness podcast. I thought yes, it was really, I really thought that it was important for the listeners to, who may not have heard about you before, to have a bit of context about what has brought you up to this point, but particularly what you've experienced over the last six months. And I'm just, I have the post that you put up um, on the twenty second of May here. And by the way, listeners, if you do want to follow Kate's journey and what she's doing in life, you can get her at Kate Wasserman. Is that Wasserman or Wasserman? Well, it's actually S. Kate Wasserman. S. I couldn't. Oh, that's the S. that's your your uh, website. Website? Yeah. Where yeah. were you taking me? To? I was taking the people to Facebook first. Oh yeah, take them to Facebook. So Kate. let's go. Let's go to Facebook first. So it's Kate Wasserman. K A T E W A S S E R M A N. But now Kate's going to tell you what her website is. <laughs> it's skatewasserman.com. So the very, the very cleverly named Skate Wasserman. Exactly. Dot, Kate, dot Kate Wasserman wasn't available. I can't figure out who she is. I can't figure out where that who owns that website. Yeah. But it's not mine. I know. There's like a million Dan Kills around the world on every platform. They have all of the uh, usernames. So it's always Dan Kill 01 or 02 or 03. Yeah. So... What the part of your post that I really loved was when you said, from the start, I knew that I only had two choices, deep, dark isolation and depression, or growth, healing, and evolution. So my question to you in relation to, you know, what we're discussing here, which is how we can help people, you know, get some tips on how to be more well in their lives, you know, how to increase their happiness is, was that? Were those two choices at the start of when you had the seizures or were they when you realized you had to have brain surgery? Like, what were you referring to there? I was referring to actually, I mean, all of life, really. But that, that choice, that the clarity in which way to go really happened when I first started. My health started to be compromised because I've always been super healthy super like physically capable, never broken a bone before, never had, I mean, I had my wisdom teeth out, but never had a major surgery, never had, I mean, never ever really went to the doctor. I've always healed myself through food, exercise naturally, you know, with homeopathic remedies or, you know, something of that sort. Um, I've always looked to alternative modalities and which I did initially with this. Um, but then I realized there was some, I had, I had to, I had to go the, the, uh, a different route. Um, so I think it was just right when what I normally did, what I normally would do to take care of myself didn't work. And so I, so in that moment it was like, okay, do I, I, am I frustrated? Do I go the path of, you know, of, um, that's hard. Do I make this hard or do I go another way that maybe I'm not used to Mm. that, that is uncomfortable and unfamiliar, do I try new things? So it, it was just, it was a choice. I think that's the most important part of the sentence is absolutely the word choice. And something that I struggled with for years was realizing that I did have a choice between staying stuck or even getting worse and getting better, healing, as you said, growing, healing, evolving, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing through my own fitness and nutrition and awareness, self-awareness journey, particularly over the past, well now, it'll also be six, seven months, is that it is a choice. It's a mindset. It's a way of looking at any issue that you come up against. But how do we convince people who are listening, who are screaming at their iPhones or their Android phones saying, it's not a choice. I don't have that choice. How do we convince people that they do? Hmm. What do you think? I've actually been thinking a lot about that question because I feel like I got a kick in the pants or a little push with this health crisis that I've had over the last couple of years. So I've been thinking about that a lot because I feel I am so much happier now and so much more at peace in my life um, now that I've started to actually listen and to realize that I have a choice. Um, I think that one of the main things that has for me that that this health crisis caused me to do is slow down mm. and to focus on one thing at a time and through slowing down <clears throat> i was able to actually hear my intuition 
And then, and then once I could hear it, I didn't want to listen to it. I mean, it was telling me like, okay, you should do that, you know, and it goes same with, same with your health. Like, you know, you should exercise, you know, you shouldn't eat that extra piece of pizza or that, you know, that cupcake or whatever. But it was, it was in, um, in slowing down, then actually hearing, okay, Kate, you want to feel better you should make this decision to feel better. So without having slowed slowed down, because my life was so busy before, I did so much. I took on everything because I needed to do more to really be enough internally. I was trying to prove externally outside of me that I was worth, that I was worthy, that I was enough. You were trying to be in control, right? Yes. (laughs) And so I think through slowing down that I have been um, urged to to actually listen and to listen to what my heart and my body already know that I've needed all along. Right. And I couldn't hear it before. Right. You know, it's, it's amazing. We, we had a brief discussion last week where I kind of told you what the podcast was all about. We didn't really get into any of this stuff because I wanted to keep it for the recording today. And what you are describing is something that I've been speaking about every single day. Today is day 145 in a row for me of strength training and just doing something every day. If I can't get to the gym, I'm doing body squats. I'm using my net time, you know, my no extra time Um, Uh (laughs) where it's like I get five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes here or there. But I have done something every single day this year. The only way that I was able to do that was to keep my focus on each decision each day. That was tricky at the start. Because it was completely changing from the way that I had been doing it, which was, like yourself, I'm going to do it all. And I overreach and I'm not focusing on one thing at all ever and then end up with a spiral of guilt and shame because I didn't achieve any goals. So what I say about that is I'm not doing any one thing good. I'm doing so many things. I'm doing them all crappy. Yeah, (laughs) right. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. But what I... Also, through my training as a psychotherapist, my awareness has reached a point where I can notice myself thinking certain things. For example, the language that I use about myself. I can pinpoint the exact moment where I, whoever I am up there is saying, you know, if you imagine the devils on the shoulders, mm-hmm. where, the oh, red, yeah. where the red devil is, sorry, the devil and the angel and the angel on the shoulders, and where the devil is saying, you're worthless. You're, there's no point in doing this. You're never going to achieve anything. You're shit. You know, all of this stuff. I never, I, that used to happen all the time to me, but I wasn't aware of it. So how did I become aware of it? I had to actually meditate. I had to sit down. And as you rightly said, I had to, I had to listen to myself. And I know that might sound easy as I'm saying it now, but I'm sure you'll attest to the fact that it's something that you actually have to do. It's not something that you assume. You have to set those 15 minutes aside every day. And eventually you do it so much that you become very attuned to yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just saying about the, the devil on my shoulder telling me I'm worthless. I can hear the very second that he starts and I can remedy it then. Right? Which, like it started for me. You're going to do a podcast? Who are you to say anything? Nobody's going to listen to you. What do you know? You're going to mess up. (laughs) Yeah. And do you know what I would advise people who are listening to this? Because anybody who's listening obviously has some interest in the idea of being happier. Yeah. Please, even if you do this for 10 minutes just on the day that you're listening to this podcast, sit down in a quiet room. Think about something that you really want to achieve and then listen for that voice. Listen to what it's saying and then do it tomorrow and then do it the day after. And you will realize that you would never speak to the people you love the way you speak. you're speaking to yourself right now, would you? Of course not. And what that's what I'm talking about, getting that awareness. It can be tricky at the start, but if you set out and realize that that's what you need to do, then, oh my God, doors are going to open. Possibilities for things that you want to achieve are going to open all around you. And it is just the awareness, just because if you aren't aware of it, so I didn't, I wasn't going slow enough and I couldn't even hear anything. So just my awareness of starting to hear it gave me the desire to want to shift it. It didn't make it easy. It doesn't happen over overnight, yeah. but you can't change something unless you can see it. Right. 
Oh my god, that's totally going to be the, the title of this podcast. <laughs> that is so. That has so much truth. I don't even know what to do with my hands now. You know, I'm kind of fidgety <laughs> now. Oh god, I love truth bomb alert. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing. And so, I'm going to come to the question that I was planning on asking you first. <laughs> I don't remember it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've touched on a lot of it so far because it's the general conversation that we're having. But what does wellness mean to you? Oh yeah, that's what it was. Mm. Um, listening to myself. It means listening to myself, even if listening to my true self, listening to my heart, listening to my intuition, even if what that, what, it, what was I calling it before the chatterbox in my head or that <clears throat> the devil <laughs> on my shoulder, yeah. even yeah. if I hear that person, sometimes that voice is louder than the intuition that I'm hearing saying, you know, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. And I realize it's been programmed from a long, long time ago, these shoulds or shouldn'ts or mm. things that I'm hearing. Um, that I think that the that my overall health and wellness and self-worth is now completely completely transitioned now that I've learned and I'm hearing myself more and I'm taking action on what I'm feeling is my own truth and my own calling and really where I feel alive in life. And so that's why I'm here on this podcast. <laughs> it's it's fake, Kate. <laughs> it is. You know, and I feel it though. Like it's this literally this new physical sensation in my body when I'm aligned with what I should be doing and what I love doing. Yeah. I get this tingly sensation. Literally, my hair stand up on end, and I feel this like opening in my heart center. And it's like I just I just know. And so, whenever anything else comes up, so you you notice because you can see me right now on the computer, but the listeners, when I start talking about, say, my other business, the school that I've owned for the last 10 years, when I start talking about that or when I start talking about this other business idea that I have, I become somebody else. I mm. go, I become smaller and dark and inside me and like in this yucky place. But when I start talking about my passion, the work that I want to do, the people that I want to help, I come alive. I feel vibrant. I don't have to think anymore. Mm. It's not like, like when I came on this call with you today, I didn't have to, we didn't, you know, you didn't send me any questions because it's, I don't feel like I have to think about it. I just feel mm. it. It just pours out of me and I just know it. Right. That and that, and I, I can hear it and I can feel it myself from you. And I know I'm talking to you through a computer screen, but I can feel it. I can feel it. I felt a tingle when you said that you had a tingle. <laughs> I know that might sound weird for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing on here? <laughs> in my arm, people, in my arm, settle down. <laughs> I completely relate to what you're saying about your demeanor, you know, when you're doing something that you are passionate about. I think a lot of people, and myself included up to recently, I haven't a clue what it is they're passionate about. But that brings us back to listening. It does. It brings us back to awareness and it brings us back to the daily requirement of giving yourself the respect and love of sitting down and saying, what is it that I want to do in my life? What is my passion, as you, as you put it? And then just coming up with a simple action plan to take just one small step in that direction. Well, like you said about taking, taking that 15 minutes that you do for meditation or whatever someone's practice is. And even just starting small, but taking that time for you, that you're worth it, that yeah. your self-worth, that you deserve this time. For, for you, maybe it's your 15-minute meditation. For somebody else, maybe it's a 5- or 10-minute walk. But I, sure. but I suggest to, to – well, how I – what's worked for me and also worked for other people I've worked with is don't start with something. I'm going to meditate an hour a day. Like, good luck yeah. with that. But start small. Like, hey, start with one minute. Like go sit in your chair outside or somewhere that you feel comfortable and start with one minute. See yeah. if you can sit with yourself for one minute. Don't have some big lofty goal. You want to feel accomplished at the end of it. You know, you want to feel like, okay, I did one minute alone and that's freaking good. When was the last time you sat alone without your phone in your hand, without talking to somebody, without thinking about a million things? Like yeah. start small. This is, a, this is really important advice and you'll be the sixth guest on the Dan Kill Wellness Project podcast and without doubt, 
every single person I've had on has given that advice. So that was like the one general theme in terms of wellness, in terms of improving health. You want to put yourself out of your comfort zone because that's where the magic happens. But you don't want to put yourself so far out of your comfort zone that you drown. You have to just take a small step. I know that Amber said, just walk for five minutes, walk for ten minutes, you know, and meditate for one minute is a great idea, I think, personally, because it does take time to get into that mindset of, okay, this is going to be good for me, and to get out of the mindset of, oh, it's going to be so much hassle, you know? Well, and I know a lot of people, too, have have this big, huge idea, and I did idea in their mind of what meditation is like I'm going to sit down on this pillow and I'm going to like have no thought in my mind and I'm going to be enlightened and I'm going to you know I'm going to levitate (laughs) (laughs) um that has not been my experience with meditation at all um initially my mind was so active when I sat down with myself for one minute five minutes whatever I was doing that I was, I was like driving myself crazy. I was like, you're not doing it. Are you doing it right? Is this it? Is this even meditating? What's going on? You're thinking too much. What are you thinking about? You know, and my mind just kept going. And then I said, oh, my other thing that I would do is I would set a timer for yourself, set a little timer with a nice little bell on it. So, you know, when you're done, your mind's not thinking, is it time yet? Have I done it? Is that it? (laughs) So I would set my timer and I would sit there and then to just not judge yourself through it and just be like, yes, this this has come up. Now, the more that I've been practicing sitting with myself or meditation or whatever you want to call it, walking, the less judgmental, the less I hear that voice, the more I'm actually able to find some peace and clarity. Wow. That's powerful stuff. It's not easy either. I'll tell you, it's not freaking easy. No, it's not. You know, I think that just to go back to the self-worth piece and when I started changing the little things you know getting a little bit out of my comfort zone and started building on it from that very small start I can tell you now that I was still feeling like I had low self-worth but how have I built up a good strong foundation of self-worth I just kept going in spite of it every single day Mm -hmm. I really do believe that daily action is required you have to make time for yourself if you want to feel well and well, one of the things I've noticed is the more I make that choice, the more I see that option for for daily self-care to daily self-worth, the more that I see that, the more I see the opportunity for it. Like in the small choices, like I'm so tired tonight, I'm not going to do my meditation. Like when I started my recent wellness journey over the last six months, I wasn't feeling worthy for the first right. while. I was carrying on every day in spite of the feeling of low worth. And what that enabled me to do was build up this foundation where I gradually started to believe, you know, and it's this amazing, magical, wonderful experience that has opened so many doors to me of possibilities. Like, I can't describe it. It's like what I was saying about my therapist earlier, you know, all these good things are happening in my life because I persevered in spite of that devil on my shoulder and have started making and noticing opportunities, more importantly, to make... It feels like magic, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, so, are we recording? Yeah. Oh, we are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, have I thought a, we were just I replaying. have the evidence. No, I have the evidence. Um, so, actually, when I started making, like, you know, you were just saying, it was hard to push through. When I, I mean, it... It is still hard. There's certain things that are hard, but I, when I realized it's like those hardest decisions that you have to make, like I had to make some really tough decisions of this last six months, but even at the last month since, since my brain surgery. So I decided to have brain surgery, which was huge. I, I chose. Yeah, I, I, I can't even, I can't even, I, I'm not even going to pretend like I can relate to that type of difficult decision. I mean, and I, and I completely was in faith around it. I mean, I laid on that operating table. I did not take a sedative. You know, they said, do you want a sedative so you can relax? And I said, and I said, no. And I laid on that operating table and I looked up at the anesthesiologist and sometimes I get choked up, but I said, I trust you completely. And I closed my eyes and I came out and here I am. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, okay. That, that, is my train incredible. Of that is incredible. So, uh, 
so as I continue to make those really, really tough choices, so my next tough choice is I have this business that I've owned for 10 years that have provided this really, really amazing life for my daughter and I. I've known for the last three that my heart is not in it anymore and that I'm slowly dying by staying there. Mm. I have outgrown it. It has provided me some amazing experiences in my life to be who I am today, to be sitting here with you, to have been able to coach my daughter's soccer team, to volunteer in her classroom, to drive her to school or ride our bikes to school every day. Um, but I know in my heart, like I have to listen. And now it's not just whispering. It is yelling at me. Like you have to be done with this. Yeah. And so of the last year I hired a business broker to try and sell it for me. It has not sold yet. Um, and just since after my brain surgery, it is so clear to me that no matter what happens, I've given myself the deadline of August 1st. If it does not sell, sell, then I'm closing the doors. Okay. No matter, I don't know what that means for my life. I am the sole provider for my daughter and I. I know 100% that if I don't do that, that I'm not going to leave the space to allow something else to come in. And this has been proven to me over and over again since my brain surgery that the more I let go of things, I let go of a relationship and new relationships are coming in now, like friendships. Hmm. I let go of, um, I, I stopped, um, working with, um, a business coach that I was working with. And from stopping that, then I actually won a contest to work with a brand new coach. And wow. so, so, I mean, and those are scary. Like I had, I, these relationships are ones that I've had for a long time, people that supported me and helped me grow and become who I am today. So it wasn't easy. Like I really trusted and became who I am now because of these relationships. But through letting go of them and through letting go of things, it it's given me so much empowerment and so much strength that I, that I want to let go of more now. <laughs> I mean, you should have seen when I came home after brain surgery, I literally, I took a day. My, I, I kept telling myself, I kept hearing my head, go slow, go slow, go slow. My friends and family are coming over and trying to sit on me to get me to like not do stuff. Yeah. But I did take, I think it was last week. I went room by room in my house and I got rid of like everything. So much I junk. filled up a truck full of stuff and I was like, what is all this? How did I... And I'm a clean person. How do I have all this stuff? But the more I let go, the more is coming in. Okay, so my, my fiance is going to be like, if she was here, she'd be kissing the computer screen. <laughs> because she is the consummate minimalist. Uh -huh. And she has like a list of things that she wants me to um, get rid of that I'm holding on to for absolutely no reason whatsoever, Kate. I'm not going to lie. Right, I it's mean, I pulled out the fear of letting go. Yeah, this pair of jeans from like the nineteen early nineteen eighties. I mean, I was probably twelve. They're probably no. worth a lot right now. They don't fit anymore. <laughs> They're out of style. <laughs> but you know what? You what you're saying there is just oh, my mind is swimming with possibilities because I can relate to it so much in terms of what I was saying earlier about you are putting a certain energy out now that is attracting those opportunities, like winning the business coach competition. Was it a business coach? It's yeah, it's worth. Yes. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like you've set the deadline of August 1st. So things are not just going to happen magically, but because you've set that deadline and you have clarity in your mind, you will be more aware of opportunities around you to sell your business to, do you know what I'm saying? Totally. And it's not like you, you make this goal and then you do nothing. No, you know? exactly. Not but like I think that's a misconception. I think that's yeah. a misconception about like books like The Secret peddle this bullshit all the time. Trust. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. there is an element of trust, certainly, but yes. there is also a very big element of action. And mm -hmm. if you change your mindset towards a different outcome, then you will notice opportunities to move yourself towards that. Right. And I think where I go, I have the trust and faith that I will be guided to exactly the place that I need to be, to exactly what I need to be doing, to be most useful and helpful to other people, because that's what I'm passionate about. Now, if if you ask me right now, well, what's your business? Well, what are you doing? I couldn't give you, I don't have a tagline right now. I don't know who my niche market is. I just know that I have in my heart and my soul, I want to be helping people on a greater scale than I, than I am doing, because I know I, 
it's deep inside me and that's what I want to do. How I'm going to do it, I don't know. I'm going to have more conversations like this. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. And, you know, I, I kind of share your vision. That's my own personal goal as well. And I, you know, I mentioned this. I had a podcast last week with Karen Preen. I really recommend that you listen to it. She's a wonderful lady from from Dudley in the UK. And I, I kind of mentioned in the podcast about 40 minutes in, around the same time as we are in now, and I said, dude, can you hear the energy difference in our voices now compared to when we started, you know? Like, this is my passion as well. Exactly. I am so passionate about, well, wellness, obviously, about my own journey, but actually, more importantly, what other people can get from my experience and how I can help others. In my day-to-day job, I work with families who experience homelessness, and I've done that for six years now. Uh, it's an incredibly rewarding job, but what drives me to get up and go to that job every day is the possibility that I might, you know have a conversation with somebody that I might advocate on behalf of very vulnerable people that will result in an outcome that will be life-changing for them and mm-hmm. that for me just gets me up every day keeps me passionate um, and I, this podcast is kind of just an extension of that you know yeah it's really and what nice. I realize, like you're saying what I realize is that in order to affect a huge change and to actually help a great number of people I don't have to, it's not that I have to do more. I have to achieve this great thing. Like what I noticed, like when I was at the hospital and stuff, because I've been there a lot, even before the surgery, that even just a smile at somebody, even just a hug, like I was, I would hug, like I could, I could just feel people. I can now. (laughs) And I would just feel somebody and I'm like, that person needs a hug. And I wouldn't in my mind be like, yeah, but Kate, you're not a hugger. It's weird to go hug some random stranger. Like, I would go hug them or like walking by on the street. I could feel like somebody just needs like yeah. you to look at them and smile. Yeah. And so even though it was kind of weird, I was, I just started doing it. And those, or that one little thing that I know somebody needs me to sit there with them, be present, look in their eyes and just listen for five minutes. I don't need to say anything. I don't need to do anything, but maybe that's all they need is to be seen for right. that two minutes. You know, I've got in trouble for the hugging thing. For the hugging <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I won't go into it. Maybe on a, maybe on our next podcast, uh, we'll discuss. <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And I was at training once with a, an agency in Dublin, and at the time, the team I was working on in Focus Ireland, we were very stretched. And I don't know, you're probably not aware of it, but the family homeless situation in Ireland is so big at the moment that there are over a thousand children living in homeless accommodation just in, a, in Ireland at the moment. And it's kind of hard to describe if you, unless you're living here, but we are a tiny population. Like, you know, we've only got like four and a half million people and it's a, it's a, it's a problem that's on a scale that we've never seen before. But at this training that I did, a lot of the team were kind of a bit overwhelmed at the scale of the problem and how are we going to fix everything? I remember it like it was yesterday. And then... The person who was given the training put up this um, put up this thing on the on the PowerPoint screen that just had a load of starfish on a beach, you know, and then you know the way PowerPoint goes. She pressed the button and then the quote comes up, and she goes, "I want to save all these starfish from drowning or from not drowning, whatever the opposite of drowning is, <laughs> airing. I want to save all these starfish from airing." I'm drying out. out, Exactly. And all I can ever do in this moment is throw one back at a time. And ever since that very moment, which was about three years ago now, I have been more effective at my job. I've been more effective in my personal life because I stopped being overwhelmed by the fact that there is so much suffering, that there is so much, so many people in need, so many people less fortunate than myself. And Similar to my daily focus within my own fitness and health journey, I was able to bring my focus right back to that person in that moment. Who needs the silence? Who needs the smile? Who needs the hand on the shoulder? I'm not allowed to hug people in work, so I don't do that. But um, you know what I mean, though? Who the, Those people, whoever you are interacting with, it doesn't have to be on a professional capacity. It can be me and you now. You know, I'm getting so much from this conversation and I'm giving so much to this conversation. 
um, and just to be passionate and show up in every interaction, it will lead to you being happier. I'm telling you guys, it will lead to you being happier. And it's that presence, the presence that I feel with you right now, the presence that I feel like I've gained in not in through my health condition. Like I couldn't be anything but right here, right now in this moment. And like you're saying, I can only help one person right now, right now in this moment. And the more my mind is trying to think about more, the more that I'm trying to do more, make some huge plan, the less I'm able to see right now what's in front of me and who I'm actually helping right now. Right. And I've had this thought a lot. I mean, I feel like technology <clears throat> has the ability to bring us so much closer together and affect change on such a huger scale. But I also have noticed myself with my child and my phone mm. and it like I've missed some of her life because I've been like, Oh, I need to answer this email or this text yeah. or something like that. But I feel like it also has us, if we don't use it in um, a managed sort of way, an aware way that um, it can be so detrimental to our relationships and take that awareness and presence away from us. Exactly. And on that note, it kind of brings us full circle in terms of what we were discussing about awareness. Guys, you have to be present with yourself as well. Like you have to build up your foundation of awareness about yourself before you can take on the task of, you know, impacting others in a positive way. Treat yourself the same way as myself and Kate are describing every interaction, saying thank you to the bus guy, you know, saying thank you to the shop assistant, you know, giving gratitude. Do it for yourself first. Yeah. Let your cup overflow. One of my sayings is you are only as good to others as you are to yourself. Yeah. And, and I, and I realized that with my child, like I can't take care of my child unless I'm, unless I've eaten, I've slept, you know, all of those things. Like there's, I'm no good to anyone else unless I'm, unless I'm taking care of myself. And the more personal, the more personal development and work and learning about myself that I do for myself, healing, healing my past, healing those wounds, the more I'm feeling, the more I am helping other people through yeah. just my own personal growth and taking care of myself. Exactly. Exactly. So listen, we have come to the end. <laughs> it was I, so fast. I don't want this to, to end. <laughs> I don't mind admitting that publicly. Um, you want those tingles again, don't you? I've got them in my arm. I've got them. Um, I just to finish on this point, I suppose I I mentioned earlier about all kind of good things, opportunities opening up because I spent a couple of years deciding to do this podcast, you know, and how would I, what would be its focus? I didn't want it to just be about weight loss. I wanted it to encapsulate wellness essentially so that's how I came to the wellness project and in terms of opening up opportunities I've been listening to a band who are from Ireland since I was 15 years old maybe and they've they were basically the soundtrack of my life from the time I was 15 up until recently they still are you know it's not YouTube by the way so people are getting excited but they were there too but the band is called Relish and I reached out to them on Twitter a couple of weeks before I started the podcast uh, sent them the link to the first episode and they got back to me on Friday and said they'd love to be guests on the show oh, awesome. so for all my Irish music fans if you have ever heard of Relish I guarantee you you've heard their song it's you I'm thinking of look them up on YouTube and they have a really good song called Got It Made that they played on the Anton Savage show recently so I am so happy about it and I'm telling everybody who will listen and I'm going to get their perspective on wellness from a musical perspective Perspective and from people who write songs for Sinead O'Connor and tour all over the world as session musicians and have their own top class albums. So I'm trying to branch the podcast out in that direction. I'm also interviewing an Irish author this Thursday called Margaret Scott and she's going to give her perspective on wellness in relation to creativity and writing and that kind of thing and being a mother you know so many things so my mind is kind of busting with possibilities for the podcast and I just have to say to you Kate it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and talking to you tonight 
Um, this was very exciting for me. Thank you for really. helping me come out <laughs> and no giving problem. me this platform to share my story and to share with others and help each other. It's my, ple it's my pleasure. And as I said to most of my other guests, I just feel like we've just scratched the surface. So I will be back in touch with you. I'd love for you to come on again because we have so much other great stuff to talk about, advice to give to people based on our experience. And I just feel like I've learned so much from you in this short hour. I feel the same way. I'm looking forward to coming back. Thank you so much. And a shout out to Aaron Lorovic for connecting us. Woo woo. We love you, Aaron. Love you, Aaron. <laughs> See you, Kate. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Dan. Bye.